So one of the things I always do every day is I start my day with gratitude. I call it John's attitude, uh, alphabet of gratitude. I start in the morning and I start at night. I have a little gratitude rock I use. And I hold that rock and I don't say what Hello and welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I want to welcome today John C. Morley, a serial entrepreneur, engineer, national talk show host, and podcast coach. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. It's a privilege and pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, I'm very happy that you'll be here today talking to us about overcoming internal fear. This is a, a big thing that I think everybody goes through. At some point, we have something that holds us back from the things that we want in our lives, right? So uh, I'd love to uh, get to talk about that with you. And But before we do that, why don't you just let everybody know a little bit about who you are and what you got going on and uh, let us get to know you. Absolutely. So, as I said, I'm John C. Morley. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I am an engineer, uh, marketing specialist, uh, video producer and director. Uh, I'm very passionate about creating content. People come to me because I just know how to create stories. Now, when I say create stories, I don't mean that I make up stories. I create stories from the truth. And uh, very happy now that it'll be our seventh year about that I just was uh, celebrating uh, as of this November that I am uh, a member of the International Press Association. So I take my content very seriously. Uh, I play with it, but I want it to be authentic and in a way that can affect and shape people's lives. And I have two missions, to become a better version of myself and help everyone else in this universe become better versions of themselves. That's wonderful. So I love this idea that you're bringing up about creating stories because there's so much that we tell ourselves that we're not always all that aware of, right? And reframing the information, looking at it from another perspective really is a, is a huge skill when it comes to manifesting, right? To be able to say, hmm, what does it look like? What does it really look like? <laughs> is, is something very different than what we normally do just walking through our lives. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So let's take a, a look at that word fear, right? False evidence appearing real. We've all heard that before. But our world is not what we see. It's our perceptions that make up our world. So somebody tells us the world is something, we may or may not believe them because it might not be our perception. So in order to change fear, we have to change our perception. Uh, let me give you an example. Maybe people uh, watching the show might be timid about getting a shot or going to the dentist's office, right? Because maybe an experience they had anchored in something that makes them feel bad, either about themselves, about others, or just fearful, or just associating it with pain, whether it's emotional or physical. And so they just got that programmed as a bonus, but they didn't really ask for it. And a lot of people don't know how to get rid of that. So they go through their whole entire lives um, when people leave childhood, you know, their brain has been solidified with a lot of programs that they didn't ask for or want. So I always tell people, if something is playing in your life and you don't like it, change it. Well, I can't, John. Well, we got to find the program that's running in your head and we need to change it or we need to remove it and install a new program. 
So programs happen to us a couple different ways. They can happen because of what people say. Now, if you say like, you know, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not that. So we need to change our language. That's number one. I'm not needs to be deleted. So when we talk about fear, our language shapes our fear. I'm not this. I'm not, uh, I'm not big enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Let's get rid of all the I'm nots. And so if we think about fear at its very core, it happens because of a protection mechanism. But then I think it goes a little bit over on steroids because fear is meant to be there for our RAS, our reticular activating system, which we're born with. Our RAS is designed to keep us safe, right? If we touch the stove and we pull our hand away, we don't want to burn our finger. If um, we do something or we're in an environment and maybe there was a bad experience, maybe some of you out there, um, I don't speed, but maybe some of you out there uh, speed. You don't have to tell us who you are. We're not going to come after you. Um, and so when you hear that cop um, siren and you see the lights, you start to get this strong pattern in your heart, right? Maybe it's because, A, you were with a friend and they got pulled, they're always getting pulled over, or maybe you got pulled over. And so you know the ramifications of what happened. A, maybe you got a ticket. B, maybe you got a warning. And all these things with your head, like, oh my gosh, my insurance is going to go up. Um, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to have to go to court. Uh, I'm going to have to tell my parents. Like, all these things go through your head. And so what happens a lot of times, I say that, you know, we don't want to worry about everything because nine times out of ten, a good seven or eight of those will fall into a ditch before they ever even happen. We make our world worse because of what we, remember I said project, right? We project our world. Our perceptions are our world to us. The world could be an amazing place. But you might have had some experiences. Just like we go to a restaurant, right? The food's great, but now somebody else goes there and it's, well, they don't like it. Well, why not? Oh, I went there and the service was terrible. Now, that was their perception. It wasn't mine. But because of that perception, they tell others. And so what happens? People are like, oh, yeah, I know him. He must be right. When people tell me a restaurant's bad, I don't take their um, perception. I said, well, okay, that's your opinion. I'm going to try it out myself. I review restaurants all the time. And I come back and say, you know what that restaurant you said was terrible? Yeah, I had an amazing uh, Fariablo uh, Sauté Calamar. You did? Yeah, it was outstanding. Oh. And so I think we let others um, contaminate our mind, our life. And so how do we stop becoming fearful? I think we have to go inside first, being a silver graduate many times, and also getting certified with hypnosis and clinical and neuro-linguistic programming. We have to start in the mind, our critical faculties. That's where the fear is coming from. The fear might seem like it's coming from outside, but it's coming from inside ourselves based on a stimulus that we're picking up, something we see, something we hear, something we touch, something we taste, something we smell, right? And so that's why when you're in a certain environment, you might feel happy. You might feel sad. Even listening to a mu music. We all know that when we hear a certain type of music, we feel a certain way. Um, one of my techniques is I love to write. But sometimes we get writer's block. That happens to the best of us. So I put on Tony Stark. You guys might know Tony Stark. Uh, on YouTube, I put on Tony Stark's productive music. And when I listen to his music, it's like this floodgate opens.
and I can just write and I can type. And I'm like, where'd all those words come from? I have writer's block. The music allows me to open up my creativity. So let's talk about another fear. Maybe there's a fear of relationships, right? And so like, oh, I don't want to date because like the last one didn't go so well. Okay, the last one didn't go so well. How many of you out there have ever gone on a trip in your car? Ever taken a small car trip, right? And have you ever had a bump that you've gone over? Has that ever happened in your life? You know, you've been driving and then boop. Okay, that was five years ago. Now, we're not talking about that bump that happened to you in California, like five years ago, right? It's a bump in the road. People do this with fear. They do this with uh, sabotaging their success. They're like, well, I just hit a bump. Great, let's labor on that forever. And let's keep putting more energy into that so we'll get more fearful. So when we take our attention and we move it off from what we don't want, we won't get that anymore. If we focus on what we don't want, we'll get that in our life. So the one thing is to shift our perception. I want to go back to that story about the restaurant because your story really highlighted the concept of manifesting a good experience, right? Which is a, a skill in itself to a lot of times when people say, I want to manifest something, they're talking about zeros in their bank account, right? Like extra zeros on the end of the bank account, or they're talking about a nice house or car, large things in their lives, right? But we get there one day at a time. The believability factor and the training of our body happens one day at a time to be able to allow those things into our experience, right? To recognize them when they come along. And so this concept that you brought up about really being able to take an experience and decide beforehand that you're open to it being a really good experience, that's a that's a palpable skill in the overcoming fear to manifest, you know, goodness in your life, isn't it? Yes. And I think a lot of people in our lives, you know, they go where they're going because uh, they're actually, they don't know any better. And so you've heard friends before that have told you, oh, you know, I, I don't really want to go to that restaurant because it was terrible. Well, I get that it was terrible, but really, it's not terrible, okay? And just because somebody else told you that they didn't like the food or they didn't like the ice cream, I can't say how many times people have done this to me and I've gone, I'm like, I love that place. And uh, a lot of people put other things into their judgment when they're deciding if they like a restaurant. There could be a server. I don't know, the server might have looked at them bad for whatever reason. But the food was still good. When I give a review on a restaurant, which I do often, I rate it on a lot of different things. But the way the server is one part, but that doesn't affect my entire experience. It does have some ability, but I'm going there for the food. And that server may be there next week, or that server might be back in college next week. Who knows? So I think we have to weigh how we perceive things. And so judgment when it comes to food, when it comes to even businesses, like, you know, if they want to do business with somebody else, uh, or maybe, you know, you're a consumer and you're going to, I don't know, 
buy a new outfit or buy shoes. And people will not go back to that store um, because they are doing a certain thing. And I think it happens again because of a perception. So let's go back to that idea of judgment. So there's this, right, there's an immediate thing that happens in our, in our minds and in our bodies. So this is, uh, sometimes people don't quite understand that when something happens in our mind, if we allow it to happen for a few minutes or a few seconds, it, it becomes a part of our physical experience, right? And so here we are, we've driven by the place, uh, 50 times or whatever. And I'm using purposefully using a really simplistic experience, a one-time experience, because I feel like if we can talk that part through a little bit, you, you know, it's so easy to expand it into the rest of your life to see how it fits in like, oh, but what happens in my relationship, <laughs> right? So if we're driven by it a bunch of times and uh, at first you thought it looked good, but you still didn't go in there. And then you decided that the sign was a little shabby looking and then, right. So you made this judgment as you experienced, not the thing you didn't experience the actual thing. You simply passed by it. You said, and you over time said, this is not for me or this is for me. And so those minute judgments that we're making in advance, right? Is that's a, that's a big part of what happens when we walk into that restaurant. And often those thoughts are not conscious. So if we can raise that awareness, right? If we become conscious that we're having the thought like, oh yeah, my buddy did tell me that was terrible experience. Uh, however, I'm going to consciously become open to this idea that I don't have to buy in that that's a very important thing and that's a key that a lot of people miss and that's the whole concept of being open there was a pizza place I'm not gonna name the place but it was a pizza place that was there for years and they were okay but maybe four or five years ago I went there to get soup and uh, soup was okay but I took the crackers out and I tasted them they didn't have any salt in them I asked for another cracker they gave me another cracker well one day I took the crackers and I took them by my ear and I just kind of broke them. They didn't crack. They just went in half. There was no sound. So I told the person at the register, they said, oh, well, it's probably just, uh, you know, it's just probably the brand. So it was the same brand, like, you know, last year. So I've been in the food industry before and I had called Cisco and I said, could you tell me, there's a date code on here. What does that date code translate to? Oh, sure. What's the code? I give them and they're like, oh, uh, those crackers are eight years old. I go back to them. I say, you know, those crackers. Oh, well, you know, if you don't want the crackers, we don't have to give them to you. So it was about maybe two or three weeks ago. There was a, a responder friend of mine. And I said, uh, yeah, I don't go. They said, yeah, we don't go there anymore either. Since, since such and such sold the place, it's going downhill. I'm like, he sold it? Went, oh, yeah, yeah, like two months ago. So that, like, regenerated something in my head because I already had a, a, a formation of what I thought about it. He said, oh, yeah, but you don't want to go there. It's terrible. The food's terrible. And we don't go anywhere that such and such is anymore. We go to their, his other place that he owns. So I knew that was a judgment not based on the food but based on the relationship. You know what I'm saying? So I decided I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go in there and try a slice of pizza. So I go in there. Place was 
big difference. It was clean. I could see through the kitchen. Everything looked beautiful. Uh, there was some new staff. The staff seemed to be very focused. I asked a question about uh, a certain type of food. And somebody immediately answered. And I said, you must be the owner. He says, yes, I am. I said, yes, because only an owner would chime in with valuable information to help a customer. He says, yes, and who are you? And I introduced myself, and I said, by the way, I'm president of the local chamber of commerce, and we're a 501c3, and I wanted to try your food out, but I would love to get you guys to be uh, a member of ours. And also, um, you know, I'd like to do a re-grand opening for you. I think it'd be a great idea. I said, how's your fish? He says, very good. I said, you know, I said, um, I came, he brought the soup out. I said to him, I said, are these the new crackers? He said, yeah. He says, uh, we threw out uh, like 12 cases of the old crackers. He says, these are all fresh crackers. And I said, the fish, I said, um, it's not bad fish. He said, it's the A fish. I said, I'll let you know. Because there's different grades of meat, different grades of fish. They brought the calamar and, oh my gosh, it was A1 calamar. So the perception had filtered down to even a mom's group and tell like, oh, you don't want to go there. It's a terrible place. All because of one mom who was a mother of this, let's say, uh, responder that heard from because of that situation that you shouldn't go there. So now other people from that ladies group went and like, oh, it's pretty good. I told them it was pretty good. And they're like, huh. They go in, they're like, uh, listen, we're wondering, you know, moms have a, a meeting every month. Can we have our pizza lunch in here? He's like, uh, you want to repeat, you're the same people that bashed me like last week and you guys want to have a meeting here? Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> so you always have to realize that you don't want to burn a bridge. And I said, what do I have to lose? If I don't like the pizza, I don't like the pizza. But he was very nice. And so that allowed me to now I go there every couple days. And the owner is very friendly. But how does this happen in a relationship? Because it's a little different. It's a little more complicated in a relationship. I think... Let's talk about platonic first, because non-platonic's a little bit trickier. Platonic in a very, just a friendship way, somebody that's just a friend might say something about someone, and now because that person um, is someone you know, you're going to trust their judgment that, like, that person really is terrible. But a lot of times they do this to poison you, because either A, they're jealous and they want to spend more time with that person, or they just want to make sure that you do not spend any time with them because they don't want you to spend they want, want you to spend less time with them so when somebody gives you a reason like oh he's terrible and so like why is that person terrible oh i don't know he just he just he's just not a good person to hang around so if they can't justify it right and back it up with why like well you know he just got in trouble he just stole thing he just did this if you can't justify something then I don't think your perception has a right to even be shared as anything less than an opinion. And I always say, you know, I, I'm happy to get your opinion. And um, I'm still going to hang around with that person. Oh, well, you really shouldn't. It's going to hurt your reputation. Well, it hurts my reputation. Oh, well. And I think people try to brainwash us. Now, in a non-platonic relationship, it gets even more challenging. Because now you have everything from infatuation, you have uh, dedication, loyalty, love, and that all gets in there. And people are like, 
well, you know, um, I heard from such and such that you really this, and, and now you're getting, and it's like, well, why are you bringing that up? Like, why are you bringing up what somebody else is saying? Like, first of all, that's not even something that should be brought up. Like, you should realize that you're starting fresh, like a new driveway, like a new restaurant. You should start clean, a clean slate. And whenever I get somebody that does that in a relationship, I say, like, you know, um, I know you probably have some baggage, and you know, some other people brought some baggage. I said, can we try something? Just, just I'm curious. Could we just pretend for a moment? I got a, a a whiteboard here, and I got some junk written on it. I'm gonna take an eraser and I'm gonna just erase this board. Could we do that with our friendship and start over? Could we do that? Would that be okay? I had done this with a, a gentleman who was uh, elected official, and there was some politics going on. As you know, I said, I said, I guess we must have got off on the wrong foot, or maybe I a little zealous, and I don't know what happened. But could we just erase that board? And could I formally apologize to you? And could we just start over? So I think what happens in relationships is we cloudy the waters. We muddy them by what's going on. And so if we realize that a perception is just that, it's a perception, we can change it. But we, no one has the right to make you feel inferior about yourself. And no one has the right to make you, um, let's say, believe something about someone. That's not their right. You need to come up with that yourself. Yeah, so you're really getting at this concept of trusting yourself, of finding that internal space that is trustworthy, aren't you? And, and when we bring it back to overcoming fear, that's a, that's a big piece of it, right? Because that body response that you talked about earlier in terms of our autonomic response that creates the fear mechanism within us, Absolutely, it's meant to save our lives, but it also is about the outside experience. It's it's triggered by all these outside things. And if your trust is in those outside things, so my trust is in the lady, the mom's club who says no go on that restaurant, or my trust is in uh, my buddy who said, no, no, I, I knew the old owner, don't go there, right? So when we when we put that trust outside of ourselves, fear is a, almost a no-brainer. Like you're going to have it, right? Because other people have fears and you're relying on them for that that core trust. And really the only one, and this is a tough pill to swallow, but the only one that you can trust is you. Is you. Just like no one has the right to make you feel fear about yourself except for you. You're the only one. You shouldn't, but you're the only one that has that right. So when these people were saying these things about this restaurant, one thing you have to realize is don't try to change somebody else. That's not where we're here. Even somebody comes to me and says, hey, John, can you get me to do this? And I was like, I get you to do this if you want to do it. I'm not going to get you to do something against your will because if your mind doesn't want to do it, it's not going to happen. Getting the body to cooperate the mind is great, but if we're going to try to get the body to do something the mind is not on board with, it's not happening. And so in this situation, I never tried to change that person and say, hey, like I'm not even going to go back to that person and say, hey, um, you know, it's it's not... Uh, the place was great. I'm not even going to mention it to them when they hear that I'm there because you know what's going to happen? A bandwagon technique is going to happen. Other people are going to find out and then they're going to come back. And when I put down, I put a review down the other night. Um, I was there and I did a quick little little 40-second video I posted on TikTok and a few other places. 
And the owner thanked me, and I said, you know, I said, this restaurant is really A1. I said, the, the manager, the owner is present, not like the other place. The food is A1 quality. The place is immaculate clean. Even the kitchen, he keeps the door open so you can see the full kitchen clean. And he cares about his customers. Why wouldn't you want to do business with this place? Try it out. Tag me back. And people resonate. I did have one person that was interesting. I posted the video and they took it down. So I asked and they said, well, John, they said, you know, you're speculating and we can't have that in our group. So I'm going to try to repost that video again next week. But they took it down because I hit a chord with some people that were not in agreement with what I was doing. So I think the problem is we are not in agreement. We have to agree to do one thing, and that is agree to disagree. So let's talk about how does that relate to the manifestation piece of it, right? Because you you not only manifested a good experience for yourself, you manifested a good experience for the owner, for the restaurant in general, right? So you took this this piece where you said, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm open to having a good time. And when I have a good time, I will multiply it. That's a really big piece of that. Like, how do we let in the Maserati, right? How we let in the Maserati is multiplying that. Yes. So the Maserati, the Porsche, the Lamborghini, all those cars, the way we do that is we have to realize that we're authentic and that we have to leave our ego at the door. That's very important. We have to leave our ego at the door. And we have to feel what it's like. Now, you might say, John, I don't know how to, how to feel a Maserati. Okay. Go down to a Maserati dealership. Go take a test drive in a Maserati. I want you to smell. I want you to hear the engine. I want you to feel it. I want you to know that your car just hasn't arrived yet. The Maserati is on its way to you if you're waiting for it. It is on its way. It just might be a little delay, but it is coming. So one of the things I always do every day is I start my day with gratitude. I call it John's attitude, uh, alphabet of gratitude. I start in the morning and I start at night. I have a little gratitude rock I use. And I hold that rock and I don't say what I'm thankful for. I say and feel it. So I put my hand on my heart, just like so. And the first thing I'm thankful for is the air that I'm able to breathe every single day of my life. Every single day. The second thing I really feel grateful for is all the abundance that I have and the abundance I know that's already on the way. It might be on a plane. It might be coming from Chicago or somewhere, but I'm grateful because I know that it's going to land. And I'm so grateful that at least it got in the air. That's great. That's a great tip. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, we are just about at the end of our time today, and I really want everybody to be able to get in touch with you, John. So uh, how do folks find you and participate in your world? They, they just type my name, but no, seriously, make it very easy. So you can go to BelieveMeAchieve.com because when you start to believe in me, you'll be starting to achieve, but really believe in yourself. So BelieveMeAchieve.com, you can... Check out my podcast now, which I think is probably over 30,000 downloads at uh, IFYL. Uh, we have some great guests as well. We have the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show every Friday night. We have some good guests on that as well. And we also have John C. Morley's recent articles, uh, which I mentioned, I think I've written close to 400,000 words since January. And they're very interesting topics. One was about the AI industry and revving up and where are we going? 
And I think there's so much information on there from science, but they're all things about motivation, all things that can improve your life. There's some business coaching, there's some personal things. But what we learn in our personal lives, if you are in business, you can choose to adapt that, just pivot it. But I wanna leave you with this. If you feel like you're working every day, you're in the wrong profession. You need to creatively play. I don't work every day. I literally just sit at my desk, I travel on planes, I give keynotes, and I don't know, people just send me checks just to get up and play and talk. So for me, it's about the creativity. Like, well, John, I can't do that. I have this, I have five kids. I, I get what you have, but you've already told me you don't want it because you're making excuses. So check out my content at BelieveMeAchieve.com. I'll be so grateful, uh, and I hope that it will improve your lives. Super. Thank you so much. And I want to remind everybody that you can always go to unbreakable.guide to get your free guide to being unbreakable and to donalyn.blog in order to see all of the other things. We have a lot of free tools there as well. So we will see you next week.